Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is April 17, and our chapter for today is 2 Kings chapter 5. Chapter 5 records a story of gain and loss, of a miracle when God miraculously, supernaturally healed a foreigner, a stranger to the covenant of promise. His name was Naaman. He was a Syrian general. He would have been the secretary of defense. He would have been right under the king and had won many battles. And God healed him of leprosy. And we'll look at the story. But the other is a story of loss, a backstory of a greedy servant that had everything at his disposal. And in time, he would have received all that Elisha told him that he would have. But instead, greed ruined his life. Greed ruins a lot of deals. Greed ruins a lot of lives. Greed ruins a lot of men and women of God. And we'll look at that story as well. So let's begin with Naaman. And Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria. This would have been Ben-Hadad II, who ruled during this time. This Naaman was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Wow, what a statement. But a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife, and then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Now you must understand that this is a border country now and in ancient times with the northern part of Israel, which was part of the northern kingdom whose capital was in Samaria. Samaria. And so you had a situation where you had been Hadad II that was always raiding northern Israel. And from time to time, when they would raid villages, they would take young boys and girls as their slaves. That had been the case here. Now, I want you to think about this. Even though this young lady had been captured by a foreign entity, yet as Daniel and like many others, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and others, they were still faithful to God where they were because even though they had been taken out from the land of the true and living God, the true and living God was still with them and living in their hearts. And so this young girl that we will never know her name till we get to heaven, 
was a true follower of the true and living God. And she said, I want my master to be well. I hate to see him in leprosy because it was a horrible, disfiguring disease. And so she said, if only he could see this great miracle worker, this prophet who lives in Samaria. Now, it's interesting. She only knew him from the capital of Samaria because he was a court prophet to the kings. We know that he rode on a circuit. He was in Shunem near where he had grown up and where he was plowing when the prophet Elijah came by and called him to be his protege. But he more than likely lived on Mount Carmel, Karim El, the vineyard of God, the place where Elijah had rebuilt the altar of the Lord, the place where he had fought the prophets of Baal, the place where the fire had come down from heaven to prove that indeed Elijah was the man of God and Eliyah, that Yah was the true and the living God of Elijah and of all the earth. And so he more than likely had a place in the mountains, uh, the northern finger mountains of Samaria called Karim El Mount Carmel, as we would say. But he also had a place in the capital of Samaria. Very much like the late, great Billy Graham, who had a place in the mountains of Montreat, North Carolina. But yet at the same time, he walked with the presidents of the United States and world leaders. And so even though his home was in the mountains, yet in the capital, he was welcome and had a place there. This was the type of man that Elisha was, had great influence. Why? Because he was a man of God, not because of his pedigree, not because of his education, not because he was some well-connected man with political figures. He was a man of God. And God always has his man. He always has a Daniel that will speak to leadership. He always has an Elisha that will be in the capital. And so it is in any nation at any time that seeks after God. And so Naaman decided to go to his boss, his king, and that he did. And so when he went, he was told by the king, well, go ahead and I'll write a letter. And as you know, as I just spoke, they were enemies and was always sending out raiding parties into the land of Israel. And so he wrote a letter, and Naaman took that with a huge gift, a huge gift to the king. And it says in verse 7, it had happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, consider and see how he seeks to quarrel with me. The king of Israel didn't take this lightly. He said, what, Who am I? Am I God? Am I, am I able to heal people? Because he thought it was in the capital there that the king, being the chief person of the land, would be the one that would heal him. And and uh, so Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king had torn his clothes, and he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman went with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elisha's house, and Elisha sent a messenger to him. He didn't go even go out to meet him. I love it. And said, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Naaman became furious and went away indeed and said to himself, 
He surely will come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Well, you see, this man was mad because he didn't make a big fuss over him because he was somebody. You see, the ground is level before God. This is exactly what Naaman need to understand, that God was not going to heal him because of who he was. He was going to heal him because of who he is, the true and living God, and because he was asked to by his servant, the man of God. And so sure enough, he got all upset and said, well, you mean this dirty Jordan? And down where the Jordan connects in the land of Samaria below the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan is muddy. It's very muddy. It's not clear and white water like it is in northern Israel and the rivers of Syria. No, it's muddy. I'm talking about you can put your hand three inches, four inches under the water and you cannot see it. That's how muddy it is. And he just could not believe this. And so he said, I'm not going to do it and left in a rage. But one of his servants, thank God he was approachable. One of his servants came to him and said, now look, boss, if indeed he had asked you to do some great feat, wouldn't you have done it? Why wouldn't you do this? Why wouldn't you? Do you want to be clean of this leprosy? So he got over his rage and went and dipped. And sure enough, just as the man of God said, just like God promised, he healed this foreigner. Aren't you glad God heals foreigners because you and I were strangers from the covenant of promise? And were we not grafted in by the grace of God, we would still be unclean today. But because God in his great mercy has grafted us into the promises even strangers and foreigners can have forgiveness and be healed today. And so this is exactly what happened to Naaman. So he went back to Elijah and said, look, I've made a mistake. Whatever you want, let let me give you a gift. I mean, I am healed. The true and living God is the God of Israel, and he is the Lord, and he calls his name Yah. That's all he knew because no one knew the name of God, the true and living God, because his name is unspeakable. So they did not know how to pronounce it. And so he just said, your God, Hashem, the name, this God, Yah, has healed me. And he's the true and the living God. And he said, look, I'm going to have to go back and live in this wicked place. But your God, I know, is the true and living God. Please ask him to forgive me and because I'm going to have to go into this house. I'm second in command in Syria. And I'm going to have to go in and gradually take care of this stuff. But please know that when I go into this temple, that I'm not going in because I believe. I'm going in because I have to do that to hold my position. And do you know God granted that? And Elisha said, don't worry about it. You go and do what you need to do. You know why? Because God looked at his heart. Now, you just think about it. If that was modern-day Christianity, if it was the church, a Baptist church, a Methodist church, especially a Baptist church, and especially if it's an independent fundamental on and on and on, this kind of judgment, can you imagine what would have happened if this was a guy who uh, had been truly healed, saved by the grace of God, and he went back into a foreign temple and uh, asked this, well, you know what we'd say? Well, he cannot be saved. He cannot do anything. I mean, how can this, why he's not saved if he was, he would, you know what Elijah said? You go do whatever you have to do. God sees your heart. You go in peace. Boy, what a lesson. What a lesson. Now, some of you are mad at me right now for even saying that. I didn't say it. Go read what the Bible says. And all the way down to verse 19, then Elisha said, 
After he asked for pardon ahead of time, Elisha said, go in peace. Shalom. You're whole. So he departed from him a short distance. In other words, he started on back and all was blessed. But Gehazi, as we call him, Gehazi, his servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman this Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. In other words, this greedy servant said, well, I don't agree with what he did. He should have taken the money. And so if he's not going to take it, I'm going to take it. And so he stopped the chariot, went and stopped the chariot of this foreigner who had been healed. And he said, all is well. My master has sent me saying, indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophet have come from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. He just made up a fairy tale lie and told, and Naaman said, please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants, and they carried them ahead of him. And when he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away. In other words, it was so much that he couldn't even carry it himself. And so then when he let the men go, he went and stood before his master, Elijah. And Elisha said, where'd you go, Gehazi? And he said, your servant didn't go anywhere. Then he said, did not my heart go with you? Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? In other words, Elisha said, I know what you did. Don't you think that the God that I serve, that you've seen me be used by God in so many ways, don't you think he would have told me of what you were doing? I knew all about that. And when he turned back in his chariot, I saw the whole thing. God revealed it to me. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous as white as snow. Be sure our sins will find us out. You see, what we try to cover up, God will uncover. But hallelujah, what we uncover, God will cover. When we confess our sins and repent of our sins and turn to God and ask his forgiveness, God will make us as white as snow. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his forgiveness. Thank God that he welcomes in even a stranger and a foreigner. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.